In this second of four podcasts, the NAC's dance producer Kathy Levy talks to the much-acclaimed Vancouver-based artist Crystal Pite. Crystal is an extraordinary dancer and a supremely inventive choreographer. Her company, Kid Pivot, has performed many times at the NAC. Happy listening! Before we get to Frankfurt, yeah. I'm just curious about all this. Like, you're, you're understanding now that you're becoming a maker of work, a choreographer. Do you remember a moment? Was, it, was there an epiphany there? Or was it just, you know, this is my destiny, I'm just doing this, this is what I'm doing? Or did you stop and think, oh my God, this is really going to be my life's work? I don't remember a moment like that. I've always done it. I've always choreographed. Even as a small child, I was choreographing, putting on shows. I would um, I would hang a, a curtain between two pillars in our in our house, and I would dress up my brothers and myself and my cousins, and I would put on shows. Um, I would invite people, and I would sell tickets, and I would make programs, and I would sew costumes, and I was that was that's what I did for fun. It's basically still exactly what I do. Isn't that amazing? I mean, yeah. really, like just just you know, because. I'm sure other kids do something like that for fun. Yeah. But when that becomes something that just is your... Yeah. I mean, it, it just speaks to me, not that I'm surprised about this with you, because I've always felt this mm. way about you, but it just speaks to me about how, you know, this is your calling. This is absolutely mm. your talent, your your must-do. I'm curious, if you if you weren't doing it, do you ever think about what you'd be doing? Or if there's another career for Crystal Pite somewhere else, do you ever think, oh, gosh, in my next life, I'll be blah, blah, you know? Uh. I haven't had time to think about that lately. <laughs> I'll ask you that in another 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it definitely feels, uh, it feels right. It feels mm-hmm. good to be doing what I'm doing. As, as, as terrifying as it is sometimes and, and uh, as overwhelming as it is sometimes. And sometimes it's even, uh, I, sometimes I feel like I don't even enjoy it just because all of those fears and doubts and all of those things can really get in the way sometimes. But... Um, ultimately, I mean, I was at the, at the performance last night. There's Netherlands Dance Theatre on stage doing my work. Unbelievable. And doing it so beautifully. <sighs> so right. beautifully. So, I, it's so, um, it's, it's just such an incredible feeling. Mm. So I, I am rewarded so often in those moments, whether it's on stage or in the studio. Um, I'm so lucky I keep getting these affirmations that I should be doing this, that, that it's worth doing. So uh, I've been lucky that way. I haven't had to confront very often this, this question of, is this the right thing for me? Well, quite obviously is. But yeah. I, I guess what I'm talking about is that sense of, um, this is, I guess it's the difference between craft and art mm. for me as a viewer, mm. because you know you are just completely propelled by the artist in you and have been your whole life and and it, it's it's beautiful and humbling to hear you say you're lucky but you know I just can't imagine I mean those companies are lucky to have you as well just to, mm. to underline that because I don't think there, there are many true artists in the world and that's my great segue to another true artist who you got to work with before yeah. I completely uh, just cavell about you the whole time um <laughs> tell me about that moment in your life when you got invited to frankfurt your it's a huge decision yeah uh not just to to dedicate yourself to being a dancer but to to make that mm-hmm. huge personal leap to travel so far away leave yeah. behind a personal life mm-hmm. what, what was that all about for you well um i was 25 
at the time, and we had a number of, of Bill's works in our repertoire. Um, and so I had been well, starting with Love Songs, actually, in 86, um, and then on to In the Middle Somewhat Elevated and the Vile Parody of Address and Urlicht. Um, these works were in the repertoire of Ballet BC, so I was exposed to them. I had a chance to dance them. And I even had a chance to work with Bill at one point um, during my time at Ballet BC. So I was so fascinated, so amazed by by the work and how it felt to dance it and, and how it looked on the body. And I remember Michael Schumacher, one of um, Bill's dancers, coming to set the vile parody, parody of a dress. And I was watching him dance and I couldn't track him. Hmm. I, I couldn't. I'd never seen anybody move that way before. It felt like like I was looking at somebody dance three-dimensionally for the first time. And I think I understand now what was going on in his body, but at the time, I didn't get it at all. And I felt like I couldn't track him with my eyes. Like He, he kept moving from, he'd have my eye at one point in his body and then his, another part of his body would be moving and I didn't know where it came from. And, and there was all this space behind him that was being used. And um, I just looked at him and thought, I, I really want, I want to learn how to move like that. It was just that simple. I want to learn how to move like that. And and so I went to Frankfurt and I I was really lucky to get a job to 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 get a contract. Um and then I spent 5 years there. And I I was ready to stop choreographing. I had the the choreography had become I had, I had all these. It had become a snowball. It had. I had all these amazing opportunities, and I, I felt like I was spending all this time choreographing, and I was spending less of my focus and energy on on my on my dancing. And at 25, I thought maybe it was a little bit soon for that. It's so it's so short the time that you have as a dancer, and I, I didn't want to miss out on dancing. So um, so I went to Frankfurt. And, of course, as a choreographer, it was the best education I could have had, you know, but I went there specifically to, 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 to learn about dancing and ended up learning about choreography in the process, of course. And not just dancing. I mean, dancing with the Frankfurt Ballet. Yeah. And with, you know, one of the masters yeah. of choreography in the world, William Forsyth. I mm -hmm. mean, what an incredible, incredible opportunity. Yeah. I was there for five years, but it felt like I was there for 15 years. It was... Uh, so rich and so packed. I mean, I was used to working seven months of the year with Ballet BC, and now here I was working 11, 10 or 11 months of the year with, with Frankfurt Ballet and performing probably three times as much and traveling all over the world with the company. And, you know, instead of doing five ballets a year, I was, I was learning 13 ballets a year. And, and so it was a, just a huge leap in terms of the, the density of, of, of what I was learning and doing. And... And seeing, perhaps? Did and you actually seeing. have a chance to see a lot of other yeah. European dance? Yes, I was yeah. exposed to a lot more work over there than I ever would have had a chance to see in Canada. So that was also really an, a really important part of what I learned there. I, I got the opportunity to see a lot of Pina Bausch's work, which was, you know, really life-changing, too. Mm -hmm. Just start, start to, starting to understand um, the theatricality of of her work and, and to see how it was so beautifully and seamlessly integrated with the dancing. And uh, what else did I get to see? 
people like uh, Wim van de Kabus and Jan Fabre and Anna Teresa de Kiersmacher and Meg Stewart and um, what else? Remember Rui Horta and his company Soap were in Frankfurt at the time. Yeah. They were the resident company at Muson Tourman. I got to see his work a lot, which was great. So it was a really intense time. Really, really rich, confronting, challenging. We're talking about mid nineties, right? Nineteen ninety six until right. two thousand and one, right? Yeah, and I didn't choreograph while I was there for the first couple of years, um, although I did contribute choreographic material to to Bill's work. We all did. Um, I didn't make any work myself specifically during that time, and then I went back to Valley, Oregon, one summer, and I made another piece for them. And that, when I came back, I showed it to Bill, uh, uh, the DVD, and he really liked it, and he offered me an opportunity to make a piece for, for Frankfurt Ballet. So I ended up making two works while I was there. What was that like? Oh, it was... Uh, that's why, Maybe that's when the fear started really kicking in. <laughs> I'm trying to remember now. The stakes were higher? Yeah, or? the stakes were definitely higher. From what point of view? The dancers, the quality of the dancers, yes. the comparison to Bill, yes. all those things? All of those things, yeah. yeah. Were there other dancers in the company choreographing yeah, as well? Yeah, there were. Actually, pretty much everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, and their work being under their signature being presented? Or just oh, here and there, yes. Okay. But, um, but everyone, it was such a, a creative group of people, I think. Bill tended to attract people who were, were thinkers and creators just as much as, as dancers. And uh so he really, he had a company of choreographers, which at you know times was, was problematic because everybody <laughs> wanted to run off and do other projects. And he was really great about making space for that. He really, he, he understood that. He was really generous. And then every once in a while he'd look up and there'd be no one in the studio. <laughs> Where is everybody? <laughs> um, but it was, uh, I don't know, it was, yeah, it was confronting to, to put my work out there f- for real um, and, and to have it examined and exposed that way. But really necessary. It was a it was a perfect time to tr- give it a try. My I mean, last when you year, say, when you say for real, like immediately, what I think of is compared to the Canadian reality. Mm-hmm. There you are, creating your work in an organization that is looked at from an international community. Is that what you mean by for real? When I mean by for real, I mean that I had been co- uh, contributing choreography or bits of choreographic material and ideas to Bill's work for the, all those years. But this was, when I say for real, I mean, this was my whole vision. So it was it was my staging, and it was my choice of music and lighting and costumes and, and the whole structure and the content, like the whole package um, was was mine. Um, so that's what I mean when I say that. But If I were to see those works now, because I haven't seen those works, mm-hmm. if I were to see them now, would I see things in those works that connect to what I see for your own company and Netherlands Dance Theatre? I mean, Absolutely. were the germs of yeah. some of those ideas there? Yeah. yeah. It's probably around then that I don't need to disown anymore. <laughs> it's probably around then that I could probably still live with people seeing what I made at that time. Um, the, the first thing I made was called Excerpts from a Future Work. And it ended up being exactly that. I knew that I that the work I was putting on stage was not necessarily complete, um, both in a very real way, but also in a, in a metaphorical way, in that this was something that I was going to keep visiting throughout my career, this content of this work. And it turned into Decembering, which uh, was a solo that I made out of that 
material. And also it became a piece called Pilot X, which was uh, the first work that I made for Netherlands Dance Theatre. So that, that work has definitely continued to thread its way through my career since then. And the other piece I made there was called Field Fiction. And it was the duet that I made with Corey Caulfield. So I brought Corey to Frankfurt and I made that that half of the show while I was in Frankfurt and I danced in that piece myself. And this was the piece with 50 Weeble Wobble soldiers on stage. And about a foot high each of them, right? About a foot high, yeah. yeah. And that that piece, I basically took that piece with me when I left the, left the company in 2001, went back to Canada, started Kid Pivot and took a crate full of cement soldiers home yeah they were <laughs> from germany to yeah Canada. all the way from germany how metaphorical that is <laughs> yeah. um, now oh, so many questions to ask you now tell me just what did canada look like to you from there in those five years i mean what did you pine for what did you mm. did you ever think i'm never going back did you like i just i never thought that never thought that you no. always knew you'd go back i frankfurt ballet was was not the final destination for me as as a dancer or or as a creator i i I always had the dream of, of creating and performing my own work. I've always had that um, as an idea. And I think it was probably Margie Gillis who really hammered that home for me. I remember seeing her, in the years that I was dancing with Ballet BC, seeing her perform a lot in her own work and being so moved by her very direct relationship um, between herself as a choreographer and herself as a dancer. And I always thought that that was something I would like to try. So. When I moved back to Canada in 2001, it was with that idea in mind, to start my own company, to dance in my own work, to finally bring those two sides of myself together. That's kind of what I did. Mm -hmm. um, when I went to Frankfurt, I never thought I would stay there for as long as I did. I thought maybe three years. Three years is about what I could handle emotionally, leaving home and um, thinking of, of living in a long-distance relationship for that. All that stuff mm -hmm. was, uh, I just thought well, three years was probably about the maximum I could handle. And With your three, partner, we'll tell our audience, yeah. Jay Gower-Taylor. Yeah. Tell us about Jay a little bit, just for a minute. Oh, Jay, um, I, Jay and I got together while we were dancing in, in Ballet BC. Um, and, you know, I, it was, I think maybe it was really important that he understood so deeply what it was that I was doing. In, in Frankfurt with the company and with Forsyth and that he was so willing to give me the time and the space to experience that. He just got it. Like he just knew how important it was. And he was also dancing with dance makers at the time. So he was also on his, his own artistic journey, which was really fulfilling for him too. So it was great because he was, he was working for Serge Benethon, somebody who he just totally loved and admired and I was doing the same thing with Forsyth so um, it was actually a really interesting time for us mm -hmm. to to experience those things in parallel so three years turned into four and then four years turned into five and then finally I, I came back <laughs> but uh, it was a thank God really, for all of us <laughs> really rich time yeah yeah and and Jay now is a collaborator with you on a number of pieces because yeah. his expertise is design and yeah. carpentry and sets. That's and right. So he's done some beautiful set designs for me. We, we started working together just this past season. Mm -hmm. He designed um, my last work for Netherlands Dance Theatre called Frontier, and he did the design for the piece I made for the National Ballet of Canada this year called Emergence. He did that beautiful paper backdrop with the tunnel. And um, he also did the design for Dark Matters, which is my latest Kid Pivot piece. So it's been great collaborating with him and uh, 
putting our heads together and, and uh, coming up with these ideas for and, these and, works. And realizing the vision together. That's, yeah. that's quite wonderful. Yeah, it's been yeah. great. No, it's great. And and this this idea that you began at Frankfurt of sort of working, I, I sort of call it, when I, when I talk to people about your work, I say that you have this very wonderful approach of sort of working in modulars. You know, we tend mm. on the outside to be almost... Um, uh, a little bit critical of some choreographers who are not doing new things all the time. And yet I've completely changed my opinion about that over the years because mm-hmm. I see when I think about the choreographers who I'm most attracted to, in fact, those are people who are really developing a language from one work to the next. And, uh, you know, if, if they're if they're repeating themselves, it's they're repeating themselves of things that they have found and not really repeating, but taking mm. those ideas and pushing them. Yeah. And, and But you've been able to do that with other companies yeah. as well as your own. And that's quite unique, I think. You know, that there's this understanding when you go into Netherlands Dance Theatre or Stuttgart or mm-hmm. even with Frankfurt that the material that you create is, in a sense, yours to use in other ways. Yeah. Was that a hard thing to get companies to agree to, or was it hard to articulate for yourself? Do you know, it hasn't been difficult to get companies to agree to that. Um, I've started actually writing it right into my contract that um, that the work, the, the work, the commission works that I do are are exclusive to the companies that I make them for, except for Kid Pivot, in that I'm I'm able to access any of the design elements or any of the choreography, um, music, uh, those things are available to me to work, to weave into my own work for my own company. And everyone's been very open to that idea because the, the companies are on such different scales. It's so unlikely that we're ever going to cross paths out there in the same circuit, in the same theaters, with the same audiences. And anyway, the thing gets so translated, a work th- uh, that I make for Netherlands Dance Theatre for 24 dancers in a big 45-minute epic thing is not going to look the same, could not ever look the same um, in the context of my own company, and I wouldn't want it to. It's, it's The point is not for me to repeat myself. It's to have access to the things I've learned and to be able to integrate those ideas and those those learnings in, into the work I do for my own company, and vice versa. So... You know, sometimes the things that I make for Kid Pivot end up weaving their way into work I do for, you know, Cedar Lake, for example. Or um, I just made a piece for the National this this last year, and there were there were things in there that I've I've learned from working uh, with Kid Pivot. So it seems to be a really good balance. Um, it's a good dialogue between those two aspects of what I do. And as someone who follows your work in in those different um, settings and different mm-hmm. sets of scale. You know, I never feel like, oh, that's taken from this. What I feel mm-hmm. is, ah, uh, there's an element that allows me to connect mm. to this other piece, this other vision. And mm-hmm. I think that that's very unique. I mean, like, for example, your your fascination with um, the human puppet mm-hmm. and the, the miniature figures that are created in different mm-hmm. elements in your work. I mean, that to me has become... Um, a, a little cornerstone that mm-hmm. I can see in a number of your works, seeing it last night in Netherlands Dance, yeah. just seeing it in Dark Matters, but that the puppet is used in such different ways, but it's yeah. it's a signature now in some ways. Yeah, well, the puppet uh, first appeared in the piece you saw last night, The Second Person, and I was so in love with that puppet. And by the time we, we got it into the studio and started integrating it into the piece, it was quite late in the process, and I didn't get to go very far with it. It's um, I love its presence in, in that work, and... Um, 
but I, I knew that I wanted to explore that idea further. So I had the opportunity to do that recently with uh, with Dark Matters. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different puppet. You saw, you know, the, one of them is, is quite realistic. It looks like it's made of wood and it's all carved. There's features and, and it's much more defined. And the one I use in Dark Matters is, is, is a cardboard cutout version of it, much more crude and unfinished and um, faceless. And, and yet, that thing, I can see why people that are into puppets are are so obsessed with them because it is so magical it is so magical so it was um it was great to be able to take that little bit of learning I had through working on the second person with NDT and then develop that further with Dark Matters at Kid Pivot and and be able to to go more deeply into that um that puppet and of course now I'm looking back at the second person oh we really need to work on those puppet suits and I've learned all these things now about about working with a puppet and, and I need to go and rehearse that now and but he's it. a much darker puppet in dark matters oh yes he's he's yeah. almost he I say I mean mm. to me it's a he yeah. the epitome of 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 the violence within us mm, mm. it's interesting you're you explore some very difficult subjects in some of your personal work for kid pivot uh disaster mm-hmm. uh You've talked about doubt, mm-hmm. uh, loss. You know, yeah, you're such a, a a generous and happy and 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 loving person to talk to. It's it, it's interesting this this uh, attraction to look at the underbelly, if you mm. will, of emotions through the work for Kid Pivot. Can you speak about that a bit? I think I think there's something about conflict that makes for good theater. So, and I think there's, yeah, there's probably conflict present in most of the work I do because I think it, it makes something, it makes something that's multifaceted. It gives a la- like layers of complexity and, and depth to what I'm trying to do. So, for example, even within the body, I'm interested in, in conflict, just really simply in terms of, of physicalities, like working two ideas in the body at the same time, and that that creates a kind of conflict. Um, I may be trying to do this one particular move with my right leg and do something with my left shoulder at the same time, two opposite directions, two opposite ideas, and that pulls my body into a kind of conflict. I think there's something really compelling about that, really, um, there's, an, it's, there's an energy to that. So... Um, so there's the, there's the conflict in, on that scale, just physical scale, and then there's usually some kind of conflict in the content that I, I work with. And I think a good story requires that, and I think maybe good theater requires that. It's not to say that I look for dark subjects all the time. Um, I think there's, there's both you know, darkness and beauty to be found in any subject, um, and maybe that's why those aspects tend to come out because I'm looking for that pull, for that tension all the time. That's all for this edition of the NAC Dance Podcast. Join us next time when we look at part three of this fascinating conversation with Crystal Pite. Please send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to nacpodcasts at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting the following website, nacpodcasts.com.
www.thepodcastmedia.ca. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Just search on NAC Dance. Until next time, this is Gerald Morris saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.